Episode 69, How to Create More Balance in Life. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live life amplified. Two quotes for you this week. The first from real estate entrepreneur Gary Keller. He says, work is a rubber ball. If you drop it, it will bounce back. The other four balls, family, health, friends, and integrity are made of glass. If you drop one of these, it will be forever scuffed, nicked, perhaps even shattered. And legendary singer Dolly Parton says, never get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to Life Amplified. Recent studies suggest that 66% of full-time employees in the United States say that they lack balance between their work and home life. And those numbers overlay perfectly with what we already know from the Gallup organization, which says 67% of workers experience some degree of burnout over the course of their career. And the burnout epidemic has become so big that just in the past couple of weeks now, it's being recognized by the World Health Organization as an actual occupational disorder. Coming up on the podcast this week, I'm going to give you my controversial view on why I believe that life-work balance is actually dead, but what we should be focusing on instead. We're going to talk about the origin of the 40-hour work week and how the technological age has caused it to evaporate. Plus, I also want to share with you some of the emotional reasons I've seen in working with clients that really keep us chained to our desk. Plus, I want to give you my six best strategies to help Help you find that integration that we're going for between our work and home life. Before we get into that, I want to shout out our listener of the week who is tracking in style underscore WW. She is an Instagram follower who shared a quote that I gave you on last week's podcast to her page. Uh, she says, I listen to podcasts on my morning walks and I recently stumbled upon Dan Mason and Life Amplified and I'm loving it. He recently said living in the guilt and shame of not following through on what you say you're going to do is so much more difficult than the work itself. I had to stop and write that quote down. I've proven this time and time again for myself, yet I have a hard time remembering it, whether it be weight loss or career goals or even just paying bills. It's so much easier just to face it head on. Living with your head in the sand does nothing but prolong the inevitable and usually makes things worse. Tracking in style, I love you so much for listening. It sounds like you are coming out of avoidance with some of your goals and uh, just digging in and doing the work. And I'm so honored that the podcast has inspired you on that journey. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. If you would like to be our listener of the week, three ways that you can do it. You can screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. Be sure to tag me at CSC Dan Mason. Tell us about your aha moments and breakthroughs. You can also join our private Facebook community, our Life Amplified Power Tribe. We have a link for that for you right now in the show notes, or you can just leave us those five-star reviews up on Apple Podcast, which help us with the algorithm and help us get this message in front of more people. The goal here, inspire 150 million people to 
overcome the conditioning of who they were taught to be so that they can create an amplified career and life they love, and I need your help to do it. So thank you for spreading the word, and thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. A few weeks ago, I did a TV interview here on a local morning show in San Diego, and one of the questions that the host asked me when it comes to job burnout, he says, yeah, he said, Dan, you know, I get it for the person in the cube who might be in a dead-end job who just takes off his headphones and slams it against the computer and says, that's it, I'm fed up with this place. He goes, but burnout doesn't really affect the people, you know, the C-suite people, the executives, the CEOs, does it? And nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, sometimes what I've found after working with very high achievers, you know, I've been fortunate to work with gold medal winning athletes, seven figure CEOs, people who are high powered attorneys, surgeons, you know, people at the top of their game and burnout affects everybody and particularly the high achievers because they're the ones who've had the experience and we've all done this where we say, well, I'll be happy when I get that next promotion. I'll be happy when I make six figures. I'll be happy when I make multiple six figures. I'll be happy when I make seven figures. And you check off each of those career milestones and eventually find yourself back to square one where you don't really gain much except the right to work harder and feel even more pressure in the next job. But you're never really happier. In fact, the increased work pulls you away further from the people and the things that you love. And this is why so many people hit the wall. So some of you, you know, might be the person in the cube who's resentful of those corporate pigs in the ivory tower. But in many instances, what I've seen is those people aren't much happier than you. Even though they're making more money, the money isn't improving their health or the quality of their life. So let's break this down and see what the research tells us. The average American is spending about 47 hours a week in the office. Now, that's almost a full workday more than what used to be the 40-hour-a-week average. In addition to that, though, depending on the research that you look at, we're also working an additional four to seven hours per week from home. That's if you total up the time we're spending on our laptop at night, that we get up and start answering emails first thing in the morning when we're leaving family dinners so we can step outside and take that important phone call. So when you total everything up, on average, we're working over 50 hours a week. Now, does that make us more productive? Once again, you look at the research, absolutely not. In fact, what every study shows us is that productivity drops off after 50 hours a week of work. And if you're working more than 55 hours a week, your productivity is falling off a cliff. We have over 100 years of data to prove that working more hours doesn't help us get more done. In fact, the whole reason a 40-hour-per-week work week came about was a response to the Industrial Revolution. You know, back in the days when these factories and manufacturing first took off, you know, the owners were trying to find ways to keep the plants and the factories going 24 hours a day. And it wasn't unusual at that point for many workers to work up to 100 hours a week. People were putting in 10 to 16-hour days 
six days a week. And that's when the beginning of the labor movement started. In fact, Robert Owen was an 18th century Welsh mill owner who said this, eight hours labor, eight hours recreation, eight hours of rest. And eventually, as negotiations continued between the factory owners and the labor unions, we settled on eight-hour days, six days a week. We managed to get the work down to 48 hours a week, which at the time was a massive improvement. But it was actually Henry Ford who took it to the next level at the Ford Motor Plant. He gave his workers a second day off and went with 40 hours a week. And what he found is that his employees were happier. They were more productive. There were fewer accidents in the plant. There were fewer mistakes made. And based on Henry Ford's example is when our government passed the legislation making 40 hours a week the standard. And as we've evolved, you know, from the end of the 18th century and the Industrial Revolution into the 2000s and a technological revolution where we're all connected more than ever, uh, we have constant data and information at our fingertips. It's easier than ever to reach out and stay in contact for better but I believe, mostly worse. Now those numbers have started creeping back up again. So that's why we're seeing 47 hours in the office become the base and all the additional time that we're putting in on top of it that are pushing us back toward, you know, old school pre-labor work standards. Not only are we overgiving Monday through Friday, but there's other research that tells us one in three workers are actually putting in time on the weekends, whether they go into the office or they're working from home. And there are many experts out there that are saying because we've unleashed this technology genie and we're never going to be able to put it back in the bottle, that the idea of work-life balance is no longer a realistic goal. Work-life balance implies the seesaw, that you're either at work. And then when you come home, you're just spending time with the family and there's no thought to work. UC Berkeley, the Haas School of Business, defines work-life integration, on the other hand, as an approach that creates more synergy between all areas of our life. So there's work, there's home and family, there's community, personal well-being, and health. And if you believe in the idea of work-life integration, which I really do, it emphasizes more pivoting rather than hard boundaries between your different areas of life. So for instance, somebody really being mindful about an integrative approach to work and life might have breakfast with the family, drop the kids off at school, work from 9 a.m. to noon, eat lunch and go to the gym, then attend a work meeting in the afternoon, pick up the kids, make dinner, and respond to email for a couple hours before bedtime. One of the trends that's starting to emerge in the workforce is companies who are giving professionals the chance to shape their own workday and giving them more flexibility. We've all probably heard of companies who are doing the summer Friday approach, where during the summer, people get Fridays off, but there's other versions of that, you know, where people come and go out of the office, and they're able to build out a life that makes sense to them, given their responsibilities, their relationships, and the things that they have to focus on. Because as much as we know that productivity drops off after 50 hours a week, there is no firm heart science that tells us what the appropriate number of hours to work is. I've seen studies out there that tell us 38 hours is what actually leads to happiness among employees. We've seen other countries overseas 
start experimenting with six-hour workdays. In fact, from 2015 to 2017, a Swedish nursing home conducted an experiment where its nurses switched to six-hour days for the same amount of pay. And what they realized is that sick leave dropped by 10%. And nurses who were part of that trial claimed that they were healthier, more energetic, and more alert. The French government for an eight-year period, limited the maximum working hours per week to 35. Many of those employees, more than half, said that they were happier working reduced hours and more able to achieve a balance between work and life. Yet, I've seen other studies. There was a survey by HubSpot that said the happiest people are the ones working 60 hours a week. So we don't really know what the number is, but I think the important question, and this is an important question for anything that you're facing in life that might be a dilemma, it's not so much the hours you're working as much as why you're working it. If you love the work that you do and you want to get up on the weekends in the morning and put in some time, have at it. God bless you. I mean, I just launched a group coaching program last weekend where I woke up at 5 a.m. on Saturday to make slides for a group coaching call that started at 8 a.m. on the West Coast. And I worked a five or six hour day on that Saturday and it didn't phase me at all. I left completely energized and excited when it was over. However, what I see with so many clients who come to me who are experiencing overwhelm, who are experiencing frustration, burnout, who are starting to see their work take a toll on their relationships and on their families is that they often have other motivations that are keeping them working as hard as they are. Overworking and staying in the office too late can often be a coping mechanism to feel like we're enough. We know now more than ever there are so many people who wear their busyness as a badge of honor who can't wait to tell you how busy they are in their life, but we feel like that gives us value. We feel like that can get us validation and attention from a company or a boss, especially if we didn't get a lot of that attention growing up as a child. And look, workaholism is an addiction like anything else. It's not that much different than alcohol, drugs, or gambling, and it can be used as a tool for avoidance. I've had clients who come to me who stay in the office late because their marriage isn't in a great spot. And they don't like to go home and deal with those feelings of being lonely, even though they're sitting next to their partner on the couch. And just something that I've seen in my coaching practice, and there's no study out there on, is the link so often between trauma survivors and people who become workaholics because overworking is a way to escape. You know, people so often run towards something as they're running away from something else. So they might be trying to avoid those feelings of anxiety or hypervigilance or some of the things that we see with trauma survivors. So that is really the big point that I want you to take away today. I'm less interested in the number of hours that you work as much as why you're working them. If you believe that the work that you do every day is adding real value in the world and that you're making an impact on other people and that your work is 100% in alignment with your life's purpose, have at it. Go for it. I mean, that can be a healthy self-expression of who you are in the world. But if you're using the work as a way to get approval, if you're using the work as a way to avoid unpleasant emotions, if you're using your work as a way to try to prove yourself because you've never felt enough, 
that is going to put you on a crash course with burnout and ultimately depression. So all that being said, whether you believe in life-work balance, whether you are a person who thinks that integration is going to be the key to create your amplified career in life, here are my six best strategies to help you move forward, regain some level of control over your future, reduce your stress, and create a career in life that you're in love with. Number one, you have to decide why you need more balance and what it means to you. I think that this is why it's such a tricky topic and it's hard for a company or a corporate level to institute policies that will work across the board for everyone because balance means different things to different people. For me, I don't have children. I don't have a spouse. I just got my puppy and some friends that I'd like to see more of. So when I think about a perfectly balanced life for me, it is serving the people that I'm here to serve, you know, delivering this podcast to you every week, working with my one-on-one VIP clients, my group coaching programs, but also taking time away to get to the gym. I've been working out five days a week, so I've been feeling really good about that. For me, spending time in nature, especially living on the water here in California, I've got to get out and spend some time I'm meditating by the ocean every day. Balance in my life looks like having some hobbies and activities that I love, which is why I often perform in community theaters. Coming up in July, I'm singing in a Broadway cabaret out here on the West Coast and also making time for relationships both in terms of just having the right friendships who support me and uplift me, but eventually also on the hunt to find my person who values the things that I value and believes what I believe in. When I think of balance, I also think about traveling more just for fun. You know, it's one of the great benefits of what I do for a living is I can coach people from my laptop no matter where I am in the world. One of the highlights for me in 2018 was just being able to backpack through the Rocky Mountains in Canada And then being able, you know, at the end of that to go set up at my Airbnb and still be able to serve my clients. You know, it it didn't even feel like work to me on vacation, but that's what integration or balance looks like in my life. For you, you have to define what that means for you. Describing in detail what it would look and feel like. This is a great thing for you to sit down with a pen and paper and journal about, about your ideal amplified, balanced life, being able to visualize it because the problem is for so many is we're not achieving it because we've never really been able to define it. And also knowing that if you're a person who's already blowing this off going, ah, well, it's just not possible for me, Dan, you don't understand. You know, I've got to work so hard in my company in order to keep the money rolling And if you believe it's impossible, you'll never be able to achieve it. So we've got to create something aspirational to aim for, create the goal so that you can grow into it and ultimately create more balance. Tip number two that I have for you today is you have got to be able to remove distractions. I saw an interesting study from the app Rescue Time and what they say is that the average person has less than three hours of productive work time every day. And I guess this isn't surprising. How much time 
are you wasting on social media and on YouTube videos? You know, back in my corporate career, when I didn't give a crap about what I was doing at my final job, where I just sort of given up and felt like, you know, I didn't have any autonomy anyway. Let me tell you, my fantasy football team was never more on point. (laughs) I had to put in a lot of time researching my fantasy football lineup. And some of the stats that are out there are saying that we waste about an hour and 15 minutes of the workday in entertainment, just looking at social media sites, looking at viral videos, etc. We have another hour and 10 minutes of neutral time which really isn't productive. It doesn't help us advance our goals. That can be stuff like reviewing expense reports or just getting bogged down in work that we could delegate or outsource to somebody else in the office that works for us. And if you could just eliminate those two distractions out of your workday, can you imagine? I mean, you've just freed up an extra 12 and a half hours over the work week to move forward and focus on the things that matter. And the other question for you is if you find yourself that distracted at work where it's hard to focus on the task at hand, we got to go back to one of the major questions I ask you on this podcast all the time. Do you love your job? And more so, do you actually love your career? Because if the work you're doing is simply about cashing a paycheck and there's no bigger purpose in it for you, if it's really not connected to your soul's purpose, none of the strategies I'm giving you today are going to matter. You know, it's why so much of the work that I do with people starts with what is your purpose. If you literally have no connection to the work you're doing in the office that you're at, why do you think it's going to be any better going to another company for a $10,000 pay raise and doing the same exact thing? And in fact, each new pay raise, each bonus that you work for, those are what we call the golden handcuffs. You know, each new financial advancement makes it harder for you to walk away from the job. And I firmly believe, and I just see this over and over with my top clients, that you can get beyond that pay raise that you're working toward. You can make infinitely more money when you're showing up doing the work that is aligned with your soul's purpose. You'll always be supported financially because on some level, you're fulfilling your destiny. You're doing work that is the reason you were created and put here on the earth. So if you're overly distracted at work, it's a separate conversation you and I need to have. But if you are going to be a slave to your cell phone, and there are studies out there that show that there are people checking their phone as much as 300 times a day. So we've got to be able to eliminate the distractions and trade it in for more time. And that gives us more opportunities for joy and for balance. Getting back, even if it's just one hour a day, which is easy, can change your life forever. Here's another interesting statistic for you. The employees who say that they have no time and that they're overwhelmed by life are working on average 8.6 hours per day. Now, if you look at the people who feel like they have healthy balance, they're checking in at 7.6 hours a day. It's literally take back one hour of your day and it could change everything that you're experiencing in your life. Tip number three to help you achieve more balance, learn to say no 
It's a complete sentence. You're allowed to use it freely anytime you want. So you have got to start being real with yourself and stop saying yes to everything. There are so many times, you know, that every single yes is just tacking time on to our life's agenda. And we start to lose control over our schedule and over our time. So every time that you're saying yes to somebody else, that you're staying late in the office, that you're taking on an additional project at work, that you're meeting a friend out for coffee when you know that you'd rather just get to the gym and take care of yourself. Every yes to other people, you have to ask, is this a no to me and my goals right now? Most people I encounter are so focused on money and making that the primary currency of their life. Money ebbs and flows. It goes up and down. You save money, you spend money. But the thing that you never get back, the one currency that is everything, is your time. We all have the same amount of it. There's no inequality in our time. The only difference is how we're using it. So every yes, you're giving away an hour of your life that you might not ever get back. So let's get clear on your plans, your priorities, your responsibilities. Let's say yes to yourself first and then Hopefully from that point, you'll be in a state of energetic overflow and you'll have the time to give to the people who matter most to you. Strategy number four to help you create more balance, you have got to watch out for overtime. And I'm not just talking about, you know, if you're an hourly employee and you work 48 hours a week and you're able to get a few hours of overtime. I'm talking about the time that just piles up because you went over the original commitment in your schedule. How many offices are you in where there's supposed to be a one-hour meeting in the morning that ends up going 90 minutes? We used to have them every Monday at my final corporate job. There would be the Monday morning sales meeting where one of the sales managers would get up and and do a PowerPoint presentation and everybody would sit around the conference room and clap for one another like disingenuously, like in that bullshitty sort of like suck up corporate way. Uh, I sat in on so many meetings that, you know, would go two hours when they should have been one. And we do it in our personal life too. How many times have you agreed to meet a friend out for happy hour after work and then it turns into a three hour session because you're friends going through a hard time and they want to emotionally vomit all the drama in their life on you. We have the phone calls where we're in the middle of working on a project and we pick up the phone and it should be a five-minute conversation that goes 30. The more you're going along on meetings, conversations, nights out and promises, the more time you are taking away from yourself. So you've got to be able to set a commitment and stick to it. If you are a manager at work, you should resolve to get every meeting done in 30 minutes. Oh, I think that would be such a game changer at corporate. <laughs> and people just went in and said, we've got 30 minutes. Let's get to the meat of the problem. Let's discuss it. And let's make a decision. Discipline is the name of the game. Two more tricks for you to improve the balance in your life. Number five, something I've been focusing again, you know, it's something that I come and go on. I'm not always an integrity on this, but it's something I've really been back in the habit of, and that is improving my health. If you want more balance in your life, then you have to have your body primed and optimized to show up for all of the demands between work and home. You need to be sleeping more. Minimum seven hours a night. 
And if you are one of the people that's showing up at like five and a half hours or less, cognitively, you are operating at the same level as somebody who is drunk the next day in the office. You need to be drinking water throughout the day. Keep yourself hydrated. Remember, your brain is 75% water. So, you know, you should start your day every day just drinking a huge glass. Get yourself moving. Get yourself physically energized and also making sure that you are taking care of your emotional well-being, you know, for whatever that looks like for you. Meditation, find a therapist, hire a coach. You know, I'll tell you here at the end of this episode how we can work together so that I can hold you accountable and keep you committed to the things that you say that you're important, but emotional and physical well-being more important than ever. And finally, the last tip that I want to give you, you know, I know I've said today that I don't believe that life work balance is really the word that we should be using, but it's the word that comes up most often on my social media accounts when I ask my audience, what is the number one thing keeping them from creating a happy career in life? So think of balance as a teeter-totter. Think of balance as a seesaw at a playground. If you're the only person on the seesaw, your butt is parked on the ground and it's hard to sustainably get yourself up into the air for too long. Balance requires somebody on the other side. We need somebody that we can depend and lean on. We need to be able to ask for support. And there are so many out there who are trying to be super mom, super dad, trying to be the five-star employee of the year, trying to be a community leader, and you're trying to do it all on your own. And that It's just not a sustainable way to live your life. You know, if you think back to the 40-hour work week that we talked about in the beginning of the episode, back in those days around the Industrial Revolution, about 15% of homes, only 15% were multiple income families. You know, during those days, you had one breadwinner who went out. It was usually the man who was taking care of the family. And women, you know, have so come into their own over the last 40 years. And now we've got the highest number ever in the history of the world of women who are the breadwinners for their family, which is amazing. But in the multiple income family home, it can also become really difficult because both partners and the relationship are trying to work toward their career goals. But it also means that there's fewer hours at home for somebody to be there with the children to look out for them. So you're trying to rush home. You're trying to do that. You're not investing in you know, your health. You're not eating as healthy as you should because it's easier to microwave the burrito. It's easier just to fall asleep in bed and lose that connection and that not just physical but emotional intimacy with your partner. Balance requires us to have somebody that we can lean on. And I'm not sitting here saying that you have to be in a relationship if you're a single person, but family, friends, where are the places that you can ask for help? Where can you begin to delegate at work? Where can you invest in support in your life? You know, I've joked here during some of our Q&A podcast, it keeps an entire army for me to stay afloat. I hire coaches. I've got a therapist. I got a Reiki healer. I've got so many people that I go to as a single person just to make sure that I've got the appropriate support in my life. I've got a massage therapist who does, you know, the body work on me. 
And those things have all advanced my life. And you need to find what that would be for you. Stop trying to do it all by yourself. You don't have to do it alone. Your dreams are valid. Your happiness is important. We need more happy people in the world. Your family, your kids, they need the happiest version of you. And when you're the happiest version of you, you're out there giving your purpose to the world. And more than ever, all you got to do is look at the friggin' news headlines. We need more people in their purpose. If there's anything that I can do to support you, uh, I took two months off from one-on-one coaching. And now I am reopening very limited spots for you and I to work privately together this summer to help you break through. And what is possible for you when you invest in my Life Amplified coaching program? Well, I'll give you a new testimonial that I just got from my client, Alyssa. She says, I was absolutely miserable in my job and it was bleeding into other areas of my life, but I didn't know how to get out of it or what I would do. I started from page one with Dan. He helped me get clear on my purpose, get back in touch with who I I am and what drives me. Coaching with Dan was worth every penny of the investment because of the profound impact it's had on how I feel about myself. Dan supported me and listened to me. He's helped me find and live my purpose, and he can do the same for anyone who's willing to put themselves first. Then Alyssa put a PS at the bottom of this. She says, I cried pretty much the entire time I was writing this, thinking about how much progress I've made, and I can't imagine ever going back to how I felt before we started. It doesn't take a lot for you to turn your life around. We get so overwhelmed that so many things can feel off track, particularly if you're that person in burnout and work is suffering, relationships are suffering, or maybe you don't even have time for relationships because you're so burnout. I'm here to tell you it's a one degree shift that could change the trajectory of your life. When I look back On the times in my life where I have been at rock bottom, you know, just from the intro of the show, where this journey started for me in 2012, with the right help and the right mentorship, I was able to change my life in 90 days. And there's been so many times when each new level that once seemed impossible for me, it's just happened in these 90-day spurts. So with the focus, creating time for yourself, not over giving to the things that steal your joy, with the right mentorship, I believe change is possible for you. CreativeSoulCoaching.net is where you go to fill out your coaching application for us to work together. Or you can just hit me up on Instagram, send me a DM. We can get the process started there. You can find me at CSC Dan Mason. It is an honor and privilege to serve you here this week and every week. Thank you so much for making me part of your weekly routine. And don't forget, turn down the volume on your negativity turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I love you. I'll talk to you next week.